You're listening to the already cancelled podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. We have some bad hombres here and we're going to get them out. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. Let's put a smile on that face. These allegations are false. Watch your profanity. Do I look like I know what a JPEG is? What is up, turkeys, and welcome to the Already Cancelled Podcast, where we rant about social issues from the Christian perspective and look deep at life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm joined today by my handsome oh. co-host, Nathan. <laughs> How are you doing, <laughs> I Nathan? I paused there. I was like, am I oh. going to introduce myself? Oh. Or? <laughs> oh. And, of course, we have John here, who uh, walked us into that with that beautiful intro. It is turkey season. <laughs> Whoa, there's a, is there a turkey in the studio here? We want to oh, say man. happy Thanksgiving to our audience. Happy Thanksgiving Don't and buy a Merry too much Christmas. Oh, Christmas. Christmas doesn't happen until after Thanksgiving. Um, although the radio is playing Christmas. You know what? <laughs> I would. I, I used to think, yeah, you know what? I would agree with that. But honestly, I'm not going to decorate. I'm not going to celebrate. But I have no problem with yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to be a, a bah humbug about no, it this year. No. Like, and to be honest with you, I'm ready for Christmas. The world's falling joy. apart. So just bring in some joy. Yeah. The reason for celebration is not from this world. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's crank back the joy a little bit for a second here. Before we get into our topic today, which is going to be the side effects of sensational uh, politics, we're going to discuss the recent red wave that happened. Oh, my goodness. Um, the election that uh, we, we teased out a little bit in the last episode um, and just kind of all the stuff that happened. Midterms, um, what was that, like a week and some days ago, two weeks ago, roughly? It's one week, two weeks, um, a year. Yeah. It's it's stupid. Yeah, I, I mean, it was definitely the red wave we all thought it was going to be. The media had us believe that you know it was just going to sweep the nation, rah, rah, rah. This was going to be the biggest red wave since Moses turned the Nile to blood. <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> That's that's how they were portraying this. Oh, and and part of it could have been that the indicators were pointing to it, but I mean I, who can say we were di- who, who can say they're disappointed? Uh me. I'm disappointed but Are you it, surprised? But it met my expectations. Yeah, I went into this with pretty low expectations for how things were going to go. We did actually take the house, the Republicans uh, took the House over the Democrats. Uh, the Senate, we were we'll, not able to. We'll see hold. if they took the House. They say they took the House, but how they vote shall be determined. Touche. There are so many sh- uh, wolves in sheep's clothing within our government. So yes, that's Both one of parties. The, that's one of the things I wanted to discuss was some of the reasons that we've been hearing about why the red wave wasn't so red. And I think one of those happens to just be that we have a lot of um, sheep and wolves clothing is one term. Uh, Rhinos is another. Um, We have a lot of people who decided not to back candidates that could have won because those candidates would not have supported them. And so supported the established party. There you go. And so they would rather be keep a hold of their power and their leadership of the party as a minority party rather than just be another player in a majority because Let's there would be a shift. It. There is a shift to, to have a four-party system in this country. 
and and we see it currently in divisions within the two parties. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There is a there's a very conservative side of the Republican Party. There's a moderate side of the Republican Party. There's a small margin of moderate Democrats and a large version of um, liberal, very left-leaning Democrats. Yeah. And that that is the shift. I mean, and unfortunately for the voter, we're all stuck in this limbo of some of us are more cautious voters when it comes to conservatism. We don't want the firebrands, and to some degree, for good reason. But we also want someone who speaks the truth but doesn't make a ton of waves because that's our personality. We want politics to fit our personalities to some degree. Yeah. And where I'm going with this is that's not how you should look at it. I don't mean to condemn anyone. I mean, this is myself. You have to look at it from what is the purpose of government, not my purpose for government, what is the purpose for what government? What is the purpose of government? In our country. And what candidate stands up best for that? Which candidates are truly going to represent the Constitution, the purpose of government as laid out within the Constitution, and are going to uphold those values that we hold most dear? Bingo. And and I think that's why, for example, the Republican Party didn't put mountains of funding towards candidates they should have Instead, they put it toward candidates either they wanted to win in primaries. You can look at Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Candidates that were going to uphold the status quo. Yes, exactly. And it it's okay to be challenged because challenges bring growth or good or bad change. But you have to allow the, the, the thought and the pro, promo, promoting a, con, a conversation provocating one like yeah pushing one sometimes things need to change but changing to reverse the size of government is not a bad change (laughs) but the midterms showed that one many many young people came out and voted left which big surprise there's a lot of talk that the overturning of roe v wade drove out democrats for the vote and i forget who it was i think it was someone on glenn beck's show not glenn um one of his co-hosts i think that's where it came from but somebody said that if we had to trade a red wave for the ending of legalized child slaughter in our nation it was worth it 100 percent. and i would trade any mountain of fake politicians and grandstanding spokesmen for the ending of murder yeah, and, and innocent and bloodshed. Some costs are worth it. I think there was also the, the... I don't know how well this worked. The media makes you believe that it, it was a contributing factor, a big one. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Mm-hmm. But they say that the promise to pay student debt brought a lot of young people to the polls but that could be it could be but young people historically don't vote so they're not paying they're not paying back their student loans they're not going out and voting yeah they're they're, it's laziness all around yeah they're not the ones that are the most active in voting so i i tend to think that may have contributed but 
I, I think it was a last-ditch effort to get votes out because two federal judges have now blocked it, and I think it was done partly as a, we're going to buy your vote, come vote, but they didn't really push that narrative. So I, I that's what they say, but I don't, I don't know how much it convinces me. They also say that this was the most free and fair election uh, since the last free and fair election that we had in 2020. The more they push that narrative, the more I kind of question it. I just think that it was a little bit interesting, not saying that there's anything going on whatsoever, but I think it was a just a, a wee tiny little eensy bit interesting that the same counties that seemed to have a few issues in the last election also seemed to, um, you know, take a week to count some votes this time. I, I mean, it's like they've got something better to do than to be counting the votes. Meanwhile, Florida was able to count 98% of their votes in three and a half hours, but it takes places like Maricopa County in Arizona half a week to a week to count 60% of their votes. I get it that nine out of 10 Arizonians live in that county, but Florida, literally after they had... After the election, three hours later, a state of emergency was declared. A hurricane hit, and yet they still counted their ballots. I mean, it may may have been a hurricane of small proportions comparatively to the one that previously hit. But it's still a flipping hurricane. So they can't convince me that they know what they're doing in Arizona. That, That, to me, is a... They failed. Now, we will mention real quick... We're not saying that elections should be federalized because that's an absolute no-no. The uh, right to run and manage elections is given to the states. However, we will say that some states seem to be doing a little bit better of a job than others, and maybe everybody should take a seminar. We'll have a little TED Talk about how to manage your elections properly Everybody can take the seminar, can figure stuff out, and then we'll all learn and press forward. And then maybe in 2024, we can actually have the results by maybe the next morning. Well, I think they need a refresher course in their own state's laws on the matter. And I think police officers and poll workers should have mandatory training on the state laws and what is a violation of the state laws regarding elections and to be able to have a reporting hotline for those such violations. Or we could just keep cooking the books. I mean, I mean either I, way, either I'm way, not it's saying fine. there was fraud. What I'm saying is there is no instruction as to what the state laws are regarding elections. That's what elections are governed by. And you're right. You, we do not want the federal government getting involved. <laughs> That's why we have King Bob. <laughs> Good old King Bob. Uh, the guy who, who this week got saved by the Indonesian president. <laughs> we saw that clip. Fell How almost, dare you? Fell it's... up the stairs and into the Indonesian president. He grabs him and holds him back up. It's like, it kind of, it's just like we have a frail old man. I... It's it's really sad to see. We, I... we are, we're the laughing stock of... The world. The world, yeah, entirely. And, and that is why you see the world devolving into personal gain. I'm not saying chaos, but personal gain for they've, certain people. Instead countries. of everybody working together, they've seen us 
devolve into whatever we've devolved into. And so they're all now, instead of trying to work together, looking out for their own interests and trying to watch their back because they know we're not going to. We're not even really sure what's going on. They're like, eh, America's going a little crazy over there right now. We'll um, and the entire we'll world, give them some space and we'll just kind of figure out what well, we're doing. We're all signing on to things because uh, uh, just socially, it's a great idea without considering any consequences, any. And what we're doing is we're doing the feel good and not doing the common sense. And I, my first example with that it would be energy policies, whether it's natural gas, diesel, gasoline, oil, coal, energy generation. It, we've sensationalized everything. Everything. It's no longer about what a bill says. It's how the bill and how I vote on this will look to my constituents and how the press is going to paint a picture of me because I voted on it this direction. When did when did I'm voting based on the constitutionality of a bill and what's best for my country and my state? To now, I am voting on what is best for the people that vote for me in my state. What is there's always which a, which then translates to what is best for me to keep power and position. And it's always sort of been that way. That's human nature, unfortunately. But we have lost that uh, concept of patriotism, and it's it's a it's a word we use to describe our our behaviors politically, both sides in different ways they they the the left claims allegiance to social justice to environmentalism to uh diversity inclusion equity all those fancy words the right claims that they're patriotic and pro-american and they're they're for secure borders but what they're both statements are vague there's no there's no like this is what we believe because neither party really follows their their creed it's kind of to some degree a joke anymore i'm not i have no faith in the federal government none absolutely none zilcho now do i believe that every single person in the federal government is is horrible and and leading us astray no i don't i believe there are still good people in every single department and every single branch of the United States government. But the problem is it's easier to turn the other cheek and those people are being slowly removed, squashed, you know, trampled because they're trying to do the right thing. Doesn't mean some still don't. Some people fight the good fight their whole lives and receive no credit for it. But we have to stop looking at it as a as a place to go to get personal gain and we sensationalize everything so that the cause of, why do we do it though why why do we sensationalize politics why does it when you turn on newsmax or cnn because those are polar opposites why is it sensationalized there's a lot of speculations and reasons that could go into that I think the 24-hour news cycle has not been a good thing for our culture. It has turned us into 
rather than trying to promote news. It is a consumer culture trying to get views, clicks, likes, because that's what drives ads, which is what drives money. And so by having the most sensational headlines, the most sensational stories, you gain more attention. By having the most polarizing conversations, the most polarizing viewpoints, that gets people's attention. The, oh my goodness, did you see what she said or he said or did or didn't do? Yeah. It's the, it's everything you just said. By driving a wedge in between us, now, as you pointed out, we have very difference, a very, a very large difference between Newsmax, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. They're the ones that are even doing this. They're dividing us further into a camp that supports themselves or it's, it turns this into an us versus them mentality. And so we're, we're getting into what does it do to American society? What, what I see this at my workplace. Um, just being there for a short time, you hear people in different uh, capacities talk about how, uh, and I even had a conversation with some guy, not not because I was like uh, promoting it at work, but who was talking about, you know, why is it us versus them? We're all Americans. Why can't we just get along? And and I, I, I tend to understand and slightly agree with that. I don't think get along means we all agree. And that was kind of what he wanted. But the, the point, I think, is it, it has driven us away from the root of what a government is, our government is anyway, to a, to a camp. I'm in the camp of secure borders, closed borders, nationalism. I'm in the camp of free trade and open borders. I'm in the, the, that's just the example I'm giving, but it has torn us away from understanding the basic functions of what our government is and turned everyone into an us versus them mindset. What it's done is it has, it has isolated us. And I think there's a lot of other things that have contributed to that. You can go back and listen to our social media podcast. I'm talking about some of those issues, but the whole reason why we even started talking about this subject or why we brought it up was I was sitting there, I guess it was the day after the election. And I wouldn't say like I was depressed by any means, but I was just, I was feeling, you know, the disappointment of, okay, you know, it didn't turn out the way they, they said it didn't turn out the way we wanted, blah, blah, blah. Like there's all these different feelings and we've all felt that whether it's, after an election that didn't go the way we wanted or an election that went the way that we wanted and we're excited and we're elated or even something simpler, whether your team won or lost the Super Bowl or the World Series. We've all felt those things before. The, the crushing disappointment of defeat, the, the excitement of, of winning. And it's just, I, I was wondering, okay, so how did we get to this? It's the sensationalization of politics that has led to this great divide where we can't celebrate shared victories. In order for us to win, someone has to lose. And I, the guy I was talking to made a really great point, was anyone that reaches across the aisle for the greater good 
Now, we can debate on what that looks like, as far as greater good is, but say it's something that actually is within the boundaries of what government's supposed to do and in can be something they could potentially agree on. Let's say, John, you're a Democrat, or you're a Republican and I'm a Democrat, and I come up with a bill that's just really just phenomenal, addresses some concerns uh, that the people are having that is within the government's boundaries to, to implement. So it's interstate trade, right? Um, and we're going to better the highway system and improve it because it was built in the 50s with the 50s in mind, not with the traffic in mind today. And it's a huge spending bill, but we want to put in a way to pay for it, um, and we want to improve it. And you come alongside and you say, yeah, let's do this. We are both going to get crushed because, oh, I, you agreed with the Republican. We have to, we've come to a point where you have to back the party line no matter what. And I heard a really great example of this from Tulsi Gabbard, who is a Democrat, former representative I actually from, kind of don't mind her. from Hawaii. And I forget what it was that President Obama did, but she actually spoke out against it. And she got called by, I believe it was one of uh, Michelle Obama's aides or whatnot, basically threatening her to stand down on her statements against the president or else. Because how dare a Democrat stand, stand up and speak ill of a Democratic president? We've come to, it's such partisan politics. We're, we're so, you have to toe the party line, support whatever the party does, and we can't, like you said, you can't cross the aisle and work with a Republican or else. And if you do, it has to be something so minor no one cares. And it doesn't really do anything. You know, it has to be like a blip on the radar, bottom of the page article, no one really cares. Because uh, there's some, but it's nothing important. It's nothing like, you know, let's build a high-speed rail network in this country because our airports are aging and, you know, we want to find a cost-effective way for, for transportation of goods and services and individuals throughout this country because the federal government does massively influence that. That's not a horrible idea, at least to just review it and look it over and figure out, can we do this and make it work and not cost billions every year, but start pay for itself, privatize it or whatever. Why is that a bad idea? Oh, no, you can't touch that because special interest groups on one side or the other are going to hold you back. It, it's like, no. I, I was thinking about this. From a standpoint of what has it done to not only the parties, the government, and the people, it has done the opposite of sensationalize. It has desensitized us. Mm. And where I'm going with that is it has allowed people to gain power who definitely don't and I don't mean so much in the legislature, but like in the bureaucracies of government. So EPA, you know, the NSA, unelected, the unelected individuals within our government to, to get into power, become influenced by external forces or even not for self betterment. You know, they're there and 
realistically run our country almost unfettered because there's too much social fighting for anyone to truly catch what they're doing. Let's look at the last few years and the control and power that a certain doctor had over the nation. Nobody elected him. NIH, National Institute of Health and CDC. Nobody elected him. Nobody voted for him. I certainly had no say in the matter, but his word was as good as gold. Oh, and goodness, there were songs about him and shirts and face masks and on and on. He was worshipped like a god. Uh, little G. The, that's what I mean. It has allowed people to get become a part of the government and just basically do what they want as long as they don't make too big a wave. Slowly but surely eroding at the foundation of what our republic truly is. And the Democrats went around like crazy in this last election and said, Republicans are going to be a threat to democracy. Any MAGA candidate is a threat to democracy. Well, good, because we aren't a democracy. I hate that. It's distraction. We are a republic for which it stands. We're not a democracy. That's mob rule. I don't want that, ever. And, and for any candidate to stand there and say, eh, eh, democracy's great. Well, good for you. Go move to a democracy because you're not in one. You're an idiot and you shouldn't be elected. Yeah. For a president to say that. Wrong. Yeah. For a, but it, it has jaded the eyes and allowed for evil or good to happen with no notice. And mostly, I would say, evil. And that's the sad part. It has It's a distraction. Would you agree that it has desensitized us to the important things and it has made us hyper-focus on the things that don't really matter? And so instead of those big issues, we're instead focused on, oh, well, he said this or she said that, and we're going to make a big deal of it on Twitter. We're going to all hoorah-rah rally around in our little camps watching fake news and all that crap and then get into fights over th Thanksgiving dinner because you support Trump and you think he's the worst and you like the vaccine and you're a you know, tinfoil hat wearer. Like yeah, I mean, goodness, I see advertisements for sweaters that, you know, I uh, I go to Thanksgiving or uh, thank you for Thanksgiving dinner and I'm ready to talk politics or not afraid to talk politics. You know, <laughs> they kind of a joke, but it's why, why what happened to the genuineness of just being together as family and friends? It, it is almost like we have become come to a point that the sensationalism is a money grab to not necessarily like a party. You're not going to donate to a party, but like interest groups. Yeah. You can, for example, if I was like super green, 
I would go out and buy certain products that would support what I believe. And right? those are almost status symbols. Yeah. To show everybody how green you are. Now, I'm not in favor of buying more sustainably sourced items and things that really aren't full of toxic chemicals because that eh, might not be a bad idea within reason. But the, the point is, yes, I agree with you. I, I think it has... It has distracted us and dulled our senses. It has taken us from a, from a, oh, politics, I don't even want to talk about it because it's just a giant mess, to, you know they're voting on a bill this week that will increase our national debt by X amount? Regardless of the issue, I don't know if that's a good idea. And... Because That's something that most Americans could agree on. But because it has been sensationalized, it has been painted in one color brush or the other. And so we have to fall into line. And, oh, well, it's a Republican bill, so um, it, it's, it's bad and they, they have to vote it down. Well, right? at least it, at least it stands for what I believe in, regard, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. What happened to the the I'm an American first, a member of a party second. What happened to I'm a Christian first, an American second, and a party third? In in the realm of structure belief. And that's where I think that's a really good tie-in because I think we can see the same thing happening within the church. We've lost sight of the big picture and important things, and you see so much division on such small and minor, not necessarily always insignificant, but things that aren't as important. Can we agree upon the tenets of salvation? If we can agree on that, we've got, we're we're 90% of the way to unity. Okay, so we think that there's small, minor differences in how baptism should be done, or, you know, how to interpret a certain verse. Okay, is if that's not going to affect your salvation, we're there. Like, we're, we are brothers in Christ. Let's have that conversation about why you believe what you believe and back it up and not fight. We live in the greatest nation ever. The greatest experiment on the face of the earth. Nobody had ever done this before. An experiment for freedom for liberty, for the freedom of religion, for truth, for justice. Even the poorest in this nation still live within the top 1% of the world. I mean, it may not feel like it for them. We are brothers and sisters in liberty and in this nation, and we have to, be, we have to stop being so divided by the sensationalism and the partisan politics and the tiny issues that don't really matter and come together in unity and realize we are still so incredibly blessed. And if we work together, we can change the world. I mean, I watched this, uh, it's not really, a, it's kind of like a documentary movie. Uh, it's a little strange, it's like a live thing. So it was actual people, not just a movie. It was, it was rather strange. But it was called um, Unstoppable, and it's a football-based film. I guess, um, basically somebody walking around following this guy with video camera and they narrate it and create a plot line or whatever. But 
it's about a football team in Memphis um, in some in a bad area um, where this coach comes in and really pours his heart and soul into these boys who most of which don't have a father figure in their life and creates a team from a school that's just a second-rate school and they're all behind because they're not necessarily being taught or educated properly because it is really tough to get them to care because they live in broken homes. When did we put us, why do we not put aside our differences and build each other up? I saw some things in this, this film where some of the homes these individuals were living in, these high schoolers were living in with their grandparents or parents or whatever, the ceilings are falling in. I mean, no joke. Where, where is this like, hey, I'm an American that has $100,000 to my name. Why am I, why am I not, it's not just throw money at the problem, but let's help them. Let's give them opportunities. Let's, let's care about each other. It's sometimes not about money. We've gotten so self-centered and focused on ourselves and what we think is right and the importance of us being right and the importance of us being better than someone else that we have lost the big picture and the joy that is found in helping others. And that is why, that is one of the contributing factors, I believe, to the mental health crisis in our nation is because we are so self-centered that we can't see the needs of others and see the humanity of others and reach out and help them. The number one thing both parties want is control. And the way they get it is distraction, sensationalism, and lots of blinding lights. Now, I mean, like, look at this, look at that distraction, right? If we stopped, turned them off, and looked to each other in our neighborhoods, and I'm not kidding, your neighbors, physical neighbors. How many people actually know their neighbors? To their uh, community, where you live, are you involved? If we started doing more of that, and we started unifying on what we had around us locally, our entire country, and I mean this, would completely and utterly change, and you would unify it. Doesn't necessarily we'll agree on everything. That's not what it means. But you will unify it, and it will scare the living tar out of politicians on both sides and the parties. Because... All of a sudden, you have a common purpose. There's a reason Admiral Yamamoto, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, said, we have awakened a sleeping giant. Because this country has the power and the ability to unify like no other country on earth for a common goal. If we can do that and focus our energies to each other and the people around us, All of a sudden, when you care about your local community and you care about decisions that are made and not violently, vehemently, like, oh, it has to be my way. I mean, genuinely look into everything and like what is best for the community within the guidelines of what we can do. If you start doing that, 
and critically thinking on issues and challenging the status quo, both sides of the aisle, you would wreck the political system in this country. I mean, destroy it. And you know what? They don't want that because they want you distracted. They want you to look at, and I mean, both sides, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, all of them. They want you focused on their guidelines and their rules and the moment you turn from them and start saying, you know what, I'm just not, you're not helping this country. Because I'll say it, neither party is helping this country. Some help us be more economically prosperous than others. Some help us be a little more socially uh, progressive than others. But either it's just a vision. If we started looking at things from a perspective of what is best for the community and our country, and our our own households included in that. There would be nothing that would stand in this country's way. You think the 1950s were great, except for the racism, as I will say that's bad, horrible. But if you see the might of the United States during World War II as good, oh, you unify this country and the diverse population that it holds today. And I mean inner cities and rule. I mean, I mean suburbs and, and rule. I mean it all. The force that we would put together, the, the beauty we would put in our communities, you wouldn't recognize this country. You and I, we wouldn't recognize it. It's time to stop. And I'm speaking to myself partly. But I am not a Republican. I'm just not. Now, I'm not a Democrat either. I am an American. And I am a Christian. And Christian that's, first. That's that's the first thing that we have to do. We are not in this world. We are not, well, we are in this world. We are not We're of this, this world. world. Not of it. We are ambassadors for a better kingdom. We have a dual citizenship, which means we have some dual responsibilities. We must love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then we must also love our neighbors as ourselves. If we start doing those two things, we would change the world. The Great Commission is probably, if I was to ever run for office, is probably my number one driving force. The Great Commission has always intrigued me. And the Great Commission in the Bible, um, as a rough paraphrase, is go to Jerusalem, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That means you start at home. You start in your community. You start, and I mean like your township, your city, your, your, you know, you start there. Then your state. Then your nation. Then the world. You got to get it cleaned up at home first. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't help those in the world at the same time, but prioritize your priorities. And in this country, we, we throw money at progress for the sake of progress, but we neglect our backyard. Then turn off the news and start looking around you and find those that are hurting and come alongside. That's how we fix the problem of sensational politics. That's how we fix the problems that are around us. And believe me, 
you start doing that, they will scream louder. They will find things that they'll pull stuff out of the woodwork. I mean, they'll make problems because they want you to pay attention to them. I, no doubt. Yeah. And and you know what? So we what? could we could all do with a little less TV, a little less news, and a little more love. And if you allow Christ's love to shine through your life to others, they'll notice. And you may have an opportunity to share the gospel. And you know what? If nothing else, the work of the Holy Spirit and salvation is the number one most important thing on this earth. Second comes the nurturing of that faith. And third comes the growth of the church, meaning in the local community. The church is not a building. It's not the only assembly of believers in the in the county on a Sunday. It's The church is you and me together praising God, bringing glory to his name, and getting to spread the gospel, the truth, and his love to a broken and fallen world that desperately needs him. So the effects of sensationalism is it's Satan's destruction. Work. It's Satan's tool. It's just another tool in his arsenal. It's destruction, and it will destroy this nation. If we continue down this road, pure and simple, if you wanted to sum it up in one sentence, the effects of sensationalism on politics today is destruction. Period. I don't care which side. It will destroy itself. I mean, look at the mess we're in now. You think that was created by one party? It was both parties. So our challenge to you is to turn off the noise and to go outside and start spreading some love. So this Thanksgiving, when you're with family and friends, or this Christmas, or this New Year's, care about others. Invite the relative. You go, oh, you know, I may not agree with them on everything, but let's just not talk about it because it's not needed. And let's come together and try to focus on... Presence, not presence. <laughs> you can go listen to our last episode about that last Christmas. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our very invigorating discussion today. <laughs> it's been a blessing, and it's been fun as always, just ch sitting and chit-chatting with you, Nathan. Uh, I love these discussions. Um, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate every single one of you. If you want to uh, leave a review on whatever platform you're on, uh, that's appreciated. If you want to reach out to us on any of our social medias or emails or all that stuff, it's all... You can find it. It's listed in the description or Descript it's, uh, yeah. the titles. Yeah, you'll find it somewhere. If not, then I uh, <laughs> don't know how you're listening to us, but hey. <laughs> you found us. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, and as always, you can listen to us again next time. On the Already Cancelled Podcast. Fellas, you have got what appears to be a dynamite sound. I can't believe you've done this. Thank you for your patronage. I'll be back. Oh, that's hot. Not a single thing he said is accurate.
bye